I'd like to welcome you all to Ananda. My name is Ananta. This is Maria. We're very glad you could join us. We have guests from the Expanding Light. We have community members. And we have our cyber Sangha with us. So today's reading is um, Perfection is Self-Transcendence. This is from Rays of the One Light by Kriyananda. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. We begin this week with a passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the tax collectors the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even pagans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. This teaching is a continuation of last week's lesson. To love all equally is possible only by seeing God everywhere, in others as well as in oneself. See whatever comes to you unasked for as a manifestation of his will. Be grateful for the pains you experience, for they are healing strokes of his love. Sometimes healing is affected only by strong measures, but his love for you is manifested in the very attempt to heal. Strive always to be impersonal, as though whatever happens to you were happening to someone else. Persecution gives us the supreme opportunity to deny the thought, this is happening to me, and to affirm our inner freedom from the thought of ego. Don't allow the negative perceptions of others to become your own self-definition. Seek God. This is the true goal of life, though how difficult to cling to it in the midst of hatred, spite, and persecution. The Bhagavad Gita tells us in the seventh chapter, out of thousands, one strives for spiritual attainment. And out of many blessed true seekers who strive assiduously to reach me, one perhaps perceives me as I am. O true seeker, be one among all those thousands who seek the supreme goal. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to read from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. <clears throat> <clears throat> And this is entitled, Teach Me to Bring All Goodness into the Net of My Consciousness. Long ago, I had a little torch. It was a plaything of my mind. I toyed with it. A tiptoe, I would work it, peering into the dark, secret corners of my thoughts. In its gleam, I would capture glimpses in dark mental waters of many little golden minnows of creative ideas. I caught some of them and used them for bait to catch bigger denizens of my consciousness. But my hook was small, and many large fish of inspiration got away. 
Now I carry a searchlight and no hook and line, but the net purchased with the precious gold-spun dreams of increasing understanding. With my large net of woven light, I will sweep the very ocean floor for thy wisdom. Ah, my expanding net will encompass all thy ocean. I will haul to myself all the goodness, golden deeds, and drops of inspiration. Yes, to thy very self. And make all that my own. So our subject today is transcendence is self-perfection. And I wanted to begin by sharing a dream I had recently. And uh, it highlighted for me many things. I think it's relevant today. And so I want to start with that. In the dream, I was in a very high mountain cave. I guess that's typical for a yogi to dream about, somewhat typical perhaps. But I was in a high mountain cave. It was just a singular image. Uh, It seemed to be without walls. They couldn't be seen. It was illuminated with a natural golden light that filled the whole cave. And there was someone next to me. I I didn't see a face energetically. I think I know who that was. It's not important. Um, There were many people there, although I didn't see anybody. But that was the feeling. This place was just electric with with energy, consciousness, and, and spiritual vibration. And I was sitting there just enjoying and being in that vibration And after a while, it became apparent to me that I needed to leave. And I felt some resistance, naturally. Uh, It took a lot of energy. It wasn't an easy path to get there. And uh, it was, you know, who knows when I would get back. So there was some resistance, but I, I knew I needed to go. And the next image, I was in a room in, a, I presume, a house. It was just a single room. It was simple, rather austere. And I was mentally preparing to go back. It was clear that there was this little window of opening, and I had to go right then. And a friend, again, I no face, I don't know who, but said to me, you can't go like this. You are, you're taking nothing with you. It's a difficult journey. It's going to take you a lot of time. You're crazy. And in that instance, I knew that it was my destiny to get back there. So this just, this wasn't an issue. It wasn't irrelevant. And I also knew it would be difficult. And, uh, but again, it wasn't relevant. I was going to get there, no question. So I said, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. And at that moment, my eye caught this little round disc, like a little mandala, and it was very bright and shiny and yellow and gold and kind of geometric in pattern. And the thought came to me, compass. And the next thought was, this is the grace of the guru. I said, I'm taking this. And I set off, and that was the end of the dream. Well, I wanted to just use that dream to talk about the energy and the consciousness and the environment 
that help us to transcend limitation and to get where we're going, where our heart is yearning to go. The, when I was there in that cave, what I felt was, of course, you know, the bliss, the light, the space, the vibration. But there was this energy of satsang, of spiritual fellowship, of being in like energy and being supported by that and feeling that with that energy, one can transcend anything. We celebrated yesterday Rajasi Day. Rajasi Janakananda was one of uh, Yogananda's foremost disciples. And we celebrate that day every year, honoring his life as one of beautiful balance between service and higher consciousness. And to feel the energy of that day, it's so much fun on so many different levels because Yes, we're getting a lot of things done, things that we could probably never manifest individually or just in the day-by-day, you know, mundane reality of this plane. But when we come together, it's, it's just incredible what can be accomplished physically and spiritually. When Rajasi used to go to visit Yogananda, he would get there, and Yogananda would, sometimes he would just stay away from him a few days. He said, I want to wait and let him get that little boy face. And he, he was commenting how, you know, Rajasi was steeped in the business realm, a great soul, a spiritual giant. But after a few days, just being in that vibration of the ashram and the master and in his consciousness, his whole demeanor, his whole persona would change. And that's the power of satsang, whether we live in a place like Ananda Village or one of the colonies, or whether we keep that company inwardly in our consciousness with the Master, whether we seek out friends, like-minded people who can reflect that higher consciousness to us, that can support us in that, because it enables us to transcend all manner of obstacles and, and physical plane realities Master would oftentimes say, Yogananda said, it's very difficult to resist the power of mass consciousness. It's very difficult. There's a lot of other energies, a lot of other vibrations, and it's very easy to play into them, even on a subtle level. And so to surround ourselves with other devotees, to uh, surround ourselves with other people who are thinking of God and holding God in their consciousness. Master said, keep with you a spiritual bodyguard. You know, always keep with you, if not through a person, an individual, in your consciousness, feel that the guru, the master, God, is at your side, in your heart, and doing through you and with you all of the things of your day. We were planting uh, tomatoes on the farm this last week, uh, uh, 200 or so of them. And we had a team of about five of us. And a couple people were a little newer to the project. And, you know, there's kind of a certain way where it works and another way where you break the tomato plant and kill it. So, you know, Ananta's explaining to us how to do this. And he says, okay... We're all one of the masters. And he said, you know, you're Babaji, and you're Yogananda, and you're Lahiri, and you're Yukteswar, and you're all one of the masters, and you're holding these plants, and you're putting them in the ground, and you're blessing them, and 
and flooding them with divine energy. And so we went about and we planted, you know, these 200 tomato plants. Well, a very interesting thing happened that night. One of the people who was with us told us the next day that they had a dream. And in that dream, they were with a very exalted saint no longer in the body and able to be in the company of that saint and see through that saint consciousness manifesting in different ways as power, as bliss, and just being in that proximity and being able to bathe in it. And it was such a, I'm grateful this person shared that because it, and I asked if I could, I'm not saying who, but just even bring it to this service today because it speaks to the power of satsang. When we keep company with these exalted beings, you know, just in, in our day, you know, we're building something, we're planting something, we're cooking something, and that changes our consciousness. It makes us receptive in a, in a profound way, and it helps us to transcend, you know, this, the material plane, material consciousness. And we have experiences like this where there is no time, there is no space, we're just... We're living with the masters. We're serving with the masters. We're meditating with the masters. And in this dream, when I was knowing within myself it is my destiny to be there, this really spoke powerfully again to me because it's our destiny, all of us, to be in God all of the time. It's not up for question. It's not up for discussion. That's our home. That's our place. It's natural for us to be there. And to keep that longing and that consciousness strong in our hearts, I work a little bit with, the, uh, with a number of others on the online meditation course. And a man wrote uh, sometime recently, it was a couple months ago, and he had had a dream in which he was desperately wanting to talk about God and share about God. And he woke up and he thought, he thought that's curious. That's kind of odd. I've never had a dream like that before. And furthermore, I never even knew that I wanted God that much, that I loved God that much, that that longing was that strong in my heart. And he said it was a profound change for him in his life. Just everything was completely now set in a different perspective, in a different reality. And because it made known to him that he is a child of God, that that reality is paramount in his life. It pervades his conscious, subconscious, and ultimately superconscious mind. And, and now his, he's turning his whole life to refocus on living it from that point of awareness. When I looked at that, in that moment when this friend was asking me, you know, telling me, you can't do this, you can't go there without some stuff, you know, food, clothing, you know, whatever, shoes. You need this for the journey. And you know how we all have this, we all have an image, maybe many images, of what constitutes um, something difficult, you know, or on the spiritual path, something really, really challenging. And in this dream, this image was captured. I, as I looked mentally in the direction that I was headed, and the geography of the terrain, what I saw was just this narrow little path. It was very 
Um, there were rocks there. There was a cliff on the side, a little bit of green. It was very steep. It was very precarious. And that path, that path was made of wet, oozy, slippery, red, ananda, clay. (laughs) That I know so well. We all know so well. We've fallen so many times and got our clothes stained in that mud, that red mud. And, uh, but that was the image, you know, and I, and I, but I just knew, I knew that I could get there. Swamiji says, if we want to grow spiritually, we must expect to do battle. It's just the nature of this plane. And there it is. But big deal. Big deal. You know, the path goes uphill. It's narrow. It's slippery. Big deal. Master gave us energization. The greater the will, the greater the flow of energy. It's so key, that attitude of just simple willingness. I'm willing to do this journey. I know it's difficult, but I know I'm going to get there. That's, that's not even a question. So it's just that, you know, one foot in front of the other, taking that little simple step. When Swamiji described the, the renunciate order, the Naya Swami order, he didn't describe it by the things we have to get rid of or renounce, you know, or stuff in the closet or put under the rug or not, you know, affirm that we have. He defined it as samadhi embracing, just that willingness you know, that's where we're headed, that's the goal, and I'm going, and I'm going to get there. You know, just that complete willingness, samadhi embracing, a beautiful attitude for this age. We don't need to think about all of the things that we have to transcend, and how are we going to transcend them. We just need to put out that energy, face forward, move in that direction, being strong in our faith that we know we're going to get there. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about in the context of this dream, you know, it was just a few images, but so much was communicated, and is that little medallion, that, that symbol of the grace of the guru. And when we know that, when we have that, we can do anything. And it's really the guru's energy that's coming through us that allows us to transcend. It's really the guru's thoughts. It's the guru's guidance. And the more we get into that flow of attunement, transcendence happens naturally. It's a very natural thing that comes about. I was recalling a, a story about Lord Ganesh and the remover of obstacles. It's about Ganesh and his brother, Kartikeya. And they are the sons of Shiva and Parvati, the lords of the universe, Shiva and his consort, Parvati. And one day, Kartikeya says to Ganesh, let's have a race around the universe and see who wins. And they, you know, Ganesha thinks about it for a moment and, okay, you know, and they get you know, lined up there, one, two, three, go, and Kartikeya takes off with presumably Ganesh right behind him. And it all happens very quickly as it does in that divine reality. And Kartikeya comes back and to Shiva and Parvati, and lo and behold, Ganesh is there. 
He's seated there. He's looking relaxed. He doesn't look like he's expended any energy at all. You know, he's just perfectly content. Kartikeya doesn't know what's happened. You know, what happened? What, what, what are you doing sitting here? He said, I, I encircled the universe. And Kartikeya isn't understanding. And Ganesh said, I've walked around Shiva and Parvati. I've encircled them three times. They are the lords of the universe. They encompass the entirety of the universe. And so it is when we stick close to God, when we're in that vibration, we cover incredible terrain. We have the ability and the power to cover incredible terrain, incredible obstacles. They just cease to be in the way any longer. When I was in high school, I, my brother had... Uh, just returned. He was about, he's 12 years older than I am, so he was out living his life while I was in school, and he returned from uh, a youthful career in cycling. He raced for the U.S. team in Rome and in Japan, uh, riding a bicycle. And he had come back, and we used to ride a lot together when he came back. I was too young when he was doing all of that to begin with. He gave me one of his racing bikes. And we used to ride the Pacific Coast Highway. For those of you who know Southern California, we'd head up to Zuma Beach. It's about a 40-mile round trip. And we would ride alongside tandem, head out really early in the morning when the traffic was pretty lean. And he wanted me to take up racing. I didn't want to take up racing, but I was happy enough riding with him. And uh, this one day we were riding, and he said, I want to show you how fast we go on the in the, in the race, you know, when we're doing the real thing. And I said, okay. You know, and we're, we're side by side. And he put his hand right at the back of my bicycle seat, you know, just like this. And he held it there as he was picking up speed. And he just kept going faster and faster and faster. And he was holding me at that speed in addition And it got so fast, I'd never ridden that fast, so I couldn't really keep my feet on the pedals any longer. I just kind of put them off to the side, and we were just going, going, going. It was really a thrilling experience. It scared me, (laughs) really scared me to be moving at that speed. And, uh, but, you know, I thought about it many, many, many years later. That image came to mind, and I thought, this is how it works. This is how the guru does it with us. He just puts his hand right there, and if we're willing, you know, if we're ready to go, if we're open to that, he just puts his hand right there and carries us at that speed, which just transcends everything on the material plane of material consciousness, the thought that we can't do it, I don't have the energy to do this ride, I can't sustain this speed, I'm scared to death, move this speed, all of this. And that's what the guru does, that's the grace that helps us transcend. We don't have to figure this out ourselves. We don't have to correct all the little flaws in our nature. We just need to open up, be willing, and let the guru ride us forward at that divine speed. So this is really the key to transcendence. And I wanted to just close sharing these words of Yogananda's. It's uh, their words any of you can listen to. They're on recordings of his voice and talks that he's given. And he says, I will bathe you in infinite light. I will bathe you in infinite light and you will change.
forever, forever, and forever. Thank you. Thank you.